Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Bella Hoodman's Curse. I am your host, Steve Sutherland, along with my co-host, Julian Amarante. Uh, today, for your breakdown, we're going to go through the top four leagues in Europe. So we'll go through the Premier League, Bundesliga, Serie A, and La Liga. We'll take a quick break and return to all of the excitement happening overseas in the Copa Libertadores, the MLS semifinals. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Champions League and then finally get into what is the UEFA Nations League. And we'll talk about how a lot of people are, you know, very excited seeing you know the Dutch return to return to form. England continuing very very good form. Uh, Switzerland being kind of a, a surprise here, and uh, Portugal, who will be hosting the semifinals and the finals next summer. Uh, I believe that's in June. Julian, before we begin, how you doing? Good, good. You're looking good, like the haircut, looking sharp. Yeah, it's it's about time. I, you yeah, know, I look yeah. somewhat professional now, but yeah, I've just given up. Worth it. Yeah, I wish I could go back to doing that. I think at some point I'm going to have to uh, address this uh, spaghetti uh, uh, configuration I have in my head, and then at some point, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I don't know. But uh, you're looking good. You're looking good. You as well. Anything exciting before we get into the leagues that have kind of caught your eye over the last couple of weeks? Anything that's been going on in the world of football? Do you want to? I think my, my my boy Diego, he's got to keep his mouth shut. You know. You know, bad-mouthing Scaloni I don't think is good for morale. And uh, I know that Scaloni just is not really, a, 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 shall we say, a proven quantity at this point. But, uh, you know, I, I think he should shut up. He had, he had his chance and he blew it. And, uh, you know. Scaloni did bring a card in, scores his first goal. Uh, first goal ever for Argentina after five years after his first appearance for yeah. the national team. And I believe that Dybala's first goal too, right? Uh, yeah. That he's he's scoring, so it's really strange because what you can see is like all these years they basically built that team around one man, and uh, you know it's interesting that you know the stats just don't reveal the the kind of like talent that they might really have. Uh, and and for me, so many of us know that your politics are very left wing would be the yeah the nicest way to say it. That's polite. So we've heard of this new player coming up. Uh, in the Flamengo youth system in Brazil, <laughs> whose name is uh, Marx Lenin. Just what your thoughts uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, not much. I mean, like, you know, I, I've also encountered people in Brazil who name their children Pepsi and Coca-Cola, too. So, I mean, you know, I wouldn't put that much, uh, uh, you know, shall we say, emphasis on, on, on something there. But it's, I, I got a good kick out of it, that's for sure. Perfect. Okay, so let's uh, let's jump right into the Premier League. So we uh, we have some updated standings. There are uh, there's one match going on right now uh, with Huddersfield up on uh, Wolves one nil uh, as we speak. But in terms of the standings, not really a big surprise. Not a lot of changes after the after the round of matches this weekend. So City City are up to top on 35. Liverpool uh, on 33. Both of those teams are are still undefeated. Which is, I think, the rather impressive. I don't think that's ever happened in the history of the of the Premiership with having more than one team be undefeated after this uh, yeah. this many rounds of games. Uh, Tottenham jumps up into third place over Chelsea with uh, the three one just absolute beatdown that they put on, put on them. Um, we'll get into that. I think we're going to get yeah, into sure, that a little sure. bit later. Uh, Chelsea sitting in fourth on twenty eight. Arsenal continuing uh, their pace right now on twenty seven. 
Uh, Everton in sixth. Uh, Manchester United jumps up a couple spots to seventh on 21. Burnemouth and Watford tied on points in eighth and ninth. Uh, Leicester in 10th. Uh, Wolves 11th, Brighton 12th, West Ham uh, 13th, despite getting absolutely destroyed yesterday by Manchester City. Uh, Newcastle uh, in 14th, uh, Palace uh, in 15th, which is very surprising considering they've pulled off draws against both Chelsea and uh, and United uh, just this past weekend. Uh, Burnley just very terrible this This season. Um, I I think they were just uh, too focused on both Europe and this, and they weren't prepared for it. Uh, Southampton on 17th. Somebody fire Mark Hughes soon, please. Cardiff City, uh, 18th. Fulham, 19th. Uh, with a big win this weekend. First game under uh, under Ranieri. So, and it was a good comeback, too, actually. Yeah. So they were down. Yeah. Um, and Huddersfeld bringing up uh, the rear on 7. However, if the result stays, they'll move up to 14th. Um, where should we begin? Uh, do you want to well, start with Manchester City? Uh, because let's face it, uh, it's it's again, it looks like it's going to be Manchester City and then the Premier League. So you're really fighting it out for second place. At this yeah, time. right now, I mean, the, the, the table looks really tight, you know. I mean, particularly with the top three when you've got like, you know, with Man City at 35 and Tottenham at 30. I mean, there's only five points that separate them. But uh, I mean... Uh, Look, I, I and I hate to say this because what Man City's become uh, is really, you know, it goes against what I like about football. Okay, they've become like this this corporate megalomaniac kind of uh, club. Man City really is, this this Man City football club is nothing like what Man City once was. I mean, they're a completely different organization at this point. That being said, however, I mean, in terms of the quality of football, I mean, they look stunning. They're, they're amazing. They look they're, they look like football perfection. And I'm still of the opinion that they're going to pull away. And uh, they're, 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 this is theirs to lose. I, I don't see Liverpool keeping pace, although I would love to see Liverpool keep pace. Um, my comment about the Premiership today is, you know, again, I go back to City. Just City, I mean, to kind of drop four goals on West Ham in their, in their building and, you know, an improved West Ham, I mean, you have to say, right? I mean, yep. they, they've actually looked good over there. Uh, and even the previous two weeks against United, they just look amazing. They look unbeatable, but with one proviso, okay? I don't – I mean, their record of defense, I mean, what have they – they've only allowed like five goals, right? But they've scored 40. I don't think they defend well. And I think that once they're going to be tested, I think that, you know, if they're going to be tested, because, you know, let's face it, in uh, the year following the World Cup, a lot of the big clubs are just not playing as well. You know, people are tired and so on and so forth. Um, but I don't think – I think that th- this defensive record of theirs is, is is a bit of a mirage, okay? And I think that, you know, at some point, whether it be this season or next season, once somebody is going to adopt their tactics and have the right players, like perhaps Mourinho's tactics, I think they'll be, they'll, they'll expose the fact that Man City's defense is, is not as strong as people think. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the comment. I, I don't think they defend well. I just think that they attack well. Oh, well, and I think, I think, well, that's, well, obviously 40 goals already. Yeah. Like, 
they're they're on pace and without De Bruyne and they're on pace to score more goals than they did last season. Like it's it's incredible. But what I find really interesting about them is the amount of fouls that they that they commit, which is which is really part of this, you know, high press, let's win the ball back. And if we don't win the ball back, well, we're gonna make teams kick the ball back to us because our defenders are tall. And, we and, get, we and we'll can, get it back. We, we can win the ball quickly. And I mean, th- this is something you and I have talked about off screen and or, or, or off pod. And uh, I actually, that bothers me about this team, okay? Uh, I know that tactically, it's probably something that's very smart and intelligent and sound to do. But it, we've noticed this, right? That the minute they lose the ball, they will foul, deliberately foul the opposition to slow down and so that they'll kick the ball back into play with the, with the opportunity of them uh, uh, you know, winning back the ball because this is it, right? If they play another team that could possess the ball, I think that this is where they are exposed in their defense. The referees have to start booking, okay? And that's where, you know, I, I don't want to be cynical and always Well, do you think it's a difference of how, like, the English game is refed compared to on the continent, right? Because, like, if this game, if this type of game was played on the continent, you would be seeing a lot more cards yeah. for the for the type of fouls that are being given. Well, the, the game in England, you know, we know that, uh, you know, there there is a, it's much more physical, it's faster, um, and, you know, there is that idea that, you know, shall we say that, you know, Machi- it's di- machismo, diving, yeah. yeah, the machismo thing, the diving isn't part of the game, and, you know, it's seen as kind of like, uh, it's frowned upon, it's seen no, as... No, 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 Manchester and, City has Sané and Sterling, both who are but they, they, notorious for... It's insidious. I, I don't like it. I don't like it. Uh, I wish that they would just, like, you know, play, but it's that's tactics, and, you know, this kind of idea of deliberate fouling that's always existing, it's just that they seem to put a new twist on it, and I really wish that, that the officials, you know, at the very least what they should do is they should give the warning and say, you do it again, you know, to the individuals, you do it again, you're going to get bucked. Or warn the team, like, you have yeah. to warn the team. Or, be- yeah, before the game, because they usually have meetings with, you know, captains yeah. and coaches, with the referees, but th- this isn't going on. But I- I'm sure that something will come of this at some point, you know. Um, I-, I don't like it. I don't like, the- I-, I-, I mean, it really goes to show Pep's obsessiveness, right, like, you know, with, with his system. And, uh, you know, the, well, a lot of people get on Mourinho for this obsessiveness with the system. A, the, the, the difference is, is right now it's working for Pep because there's yeah. nobody, nobody can beat it. Yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I just hope that it doesn't become something that other clubs begin to mimic. Uh, like, you know, because Liverpool could play the same way if they wanted to, right? You know, like just to kind of like, but they don't seem to, like they still have the, the you know, clubs yeah. gig and press, but they don't seem to foul. As much. No, they don't. They seem to be. They still. They, they seem to play a sporting game. You know what I mean. I. I really think that this is something that I. I, I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, but uh, uh, before we kind of like uh, uh, move on to this, I just want to say one thing. I love Bernardo Silva. Uh, one of my favorite players both, right now. Both Silvas in in that team. In that team are, are amazing. Yeah. But Bernardo Silva, I mean, what? How great do player. they do they really need De Bruyne to like we've seen players come back from injuries and end up disrupting how a team plays. Could De Bruyne end up coming back and um, be disruptive? Well, I mean other than the fact that he's probably one of the best players in that team on any given day. It could happen. I mean, obviously, I mean it's something that could happen, but you know, Pep runs a tight ship, right? And the players bought seem to have bought into the system and they'll accept their roles if they go on the bench. But we know, right, this is depth, right? 
when you got depth, when 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 you know De Bruyne gets injured and a Bernardo Silva can step in his place, uh, that means you know this is when you can look at winning two. You know you can win your your domestic championship and maybe the international tournament you're in. Uh, I see Man City taking two, possibly three trophies this year. I, you know? I think that's fair. Um, moving on, um, we both had a little bit to say about Tottenham and Chelsea. I have to, I, I, I've been proven wrong this week, um, both on the fact that I really thought Chelsea was going to continue on this pace. Yeah, but you get a you get a pass because you called Arsenal. Yeah, yeah it's fair. <laughs> you get a pass. Um, it, to me, I, I watched the, I watched this game yesterday, um, and it, it finally looks like David Luiz is playing like the defender that that we all know him to be. Maybe. Like he was. He, he was found out uh, numerous times um, in this game. Deli Alley's uh, headed goal was was brilliant. Uh, great ball placement by probably one of the best spot kick takers at this point. Um, Tottenham is interesting, man. I mean, you look at their record over the two years, and the only other team that has a better record than them is Man City. They have won incredibly, and they don't have a stadium. But wait, we'll get to this in a sec. You know, they are, they didn't buy any players this year. They 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 basically went forward with the same club that they have, which is also a testament. But here's the thing: no trophies. Okay, like and you said this yesterday when we were talking before the pod and kind of doing a little bit of kind of uh, preparation. You know, Steve had basically said, "Yeah, okay, you've got this incredible record of wins and losses, but where are the trophies?" And on this, I'm 100% agreement. They have to, they have to win a trophy this year. And you know, I mean, if they're not going to win the league, uh, then focus on the League Cup or the Carabao Cup, as it's called now. You know, we have to do these brand names or the FA Cup. And it kind of bugs me that you know that these teams see these competitions as like beneath them. That's one thing I'll give Mourinho. Mourinho, when he plays for a tournament, he wants trophies. And you know, and that's right. Trophies are a measure of a team's success. You know, not as many uh, uh, followers that you have on Instagram. Okay, and this is the mistake I think uh, that that that's becoming football. So I mean, you know, uh, Tottenham. I'm in your corner, man. I like the way you play. I love uh, Pochettino. Uh, I think that the team is. Uh, uh, I, I, I love the, the style. I love the players. But hey, win a championship. Okay, win a trophy. Yeah. Um, moving on. Uh, quick comments on Arsenal. Uh, win again today. Yeah. Uh, over a very good, like over a good Burnmouth side that's that's been probably playing way above where they they should be in the table. Um, where do you see them going, man? Seriously, Arsenal. You see them finishing higher than fifth? No. Uh, and the only reason is I still think they're missing uh, the depth component. Uh, they he, Unai Emery brought in leaders. That being said. Do I think Arsenal wins a trophy before Tottenham does? I think you. I think they do. I. 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 Well, they've got in probably our, our estimation. You and I are in agreement on this. And Emery, the best cup coach, uh, uh, the guy knows how to win tournaments, right? Yeah. You know what I mean. So, poor uh, draw for United yesterday against Crystal Palace, uh, a team that neither of us have any time for. No, I mean, but Palace. You know, Palace is solid. I mean, this is what happens when you have a coach that focuses on drills. Yeah, I think he needs to let the players go a little bit. To, yeah, I know, but I think more. they would they would have lost if you let them go. I think they would have lost. Probably. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, like, uh, what can what more can we say about United? I mean, like they just 
they're just not consistent. Yep. You know, that's it. And I mean, I don't I don't want to sit here and kind of like give more attention to Mourinho and uh and the Pogba and all of this kind of like, you know, reality TV bullshit that kind of follows them. Yeah, and at really at this point, we we there are too many issues. Like we would need three or four podcasts to discuss every issue. I always, I, I've always suggested that we should, we should gather all the United fans in the group and have a roundtable. There is one thing I want to say though, okay, and that about United, and that's it. Uh, we don't have a good championship if United is not involved, okay. And Whether it's a media involvement or in the league, they ought to be in the running. Like I, I mean, to be honest with you, in, in spite of my antipathy towards Man United. I don't like seeing them in seventh place. I would love to see them like in third or fourth and like, you know, pushing everybody in different directions. But, you know, it's it's, it's still December. And uh, once the Christmas break is over, uh, we'll see. Uh, by the way, good chance I might be at Old Trafford on, Chris, on Boxing Day. That will be uh, very exciting for you. Um, quick thoughts on Leicester City, who have been, you know, going through one of the most difficult tragedies I think we've seen in, in football in, in, in quite some time, uh, losing losing their owner, who is probably what every football fan wants their owner to be. I'm sure Manchester United would love ownership that that was very similar to... Well, somebody in the group said that the other day. I can't remember who, but they said, look, if you're going to have an owner, I think it was you, actually. If you're going to have an owner this you know in a corporate world, or I think it was our, our friend from Australia, Frank Neshi, if you're going to have that kind of owner, Okay, uh, you know, and you're gonna have to deal with the corporate corporate world and this kind of commodification and commerce that exists in football today. You couldn't have you couldn't have got a better guy. Um, I just, for me, you know, getting rid of Mr. Ranieri, okay, is always a bit of a sore spot. And uh, for, for for me about Leicester, and I wish they hadn't. Well, but you know, look at them; they're 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 managing. Speaking of Don Claudio, yeah, comes in, yeah, man, first win. Fulham, maybe um, the great escape this well, season. You know, I mean, I, I I make a prediction. I think, uh, I think, I think Ranieri takes them out of the re- re- relegation zone because they have, they have got good players. It's it's really interesting. So, uh, and you and I have discussed this for for some time. Uh, how Mourinho came into that Chelsea squad that Ranieri built, yeah. and and won trophies. Yeah, Ranieri built that squad for him. And you look now, Ranieri has come into a very built squad that that Djokovic put together for him. I don't. I'm not saying Fulham's going to win trophies, but they're going to be a much better side because the pieces are going to be utilized in in, 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 the, in, in a more the, practical way. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think Ranieri is going to put shape to the team, and I think that you'll, I think you're going to see them move up. Uh, I, I really hope they do. I love Ranieri. I, he's just he's just a likable guy. You know what I mean? And uh, he's got the experience. I mean, if you look up his coach, he's coached everybody well, and everywhere. And and you look now at England, there is no league that matches them for managers. No. Like no. And that's not even the first. Like that's that's looking at both divisions. Like how Bielsa like Bielsa could be coaching a Manchester United. Easy. But easy. And and and, you, and what you're seeing is like, you know, the guys that we don't even know about. Right, like that are basically you know coaching teams like Eintracht Frankfurt or uh, you know Belenenses in uh, in Portugal. Eventually, you know the Premiership just snaps these guys up. You know. Well, hopefully Southampton makes that decision and goes and brings somebody in to replace Mark Hughes. But you were telling me that uh, the replacement for Hughes could be Big Sam. So there are rumors that Big Sam could be coming in, but uh, just it's stupidity. 
Yeah, I would like to see them change something up, try something new. You're probably going to get relegated anyway. So a lot of good young, like like right now. I mean, I, I think we can agree that that uh, British football is at a high water mark. And I mean, you can't tell me that there isn't an up and coming young manager in the British system, and not one of these pundits, you know, like Neville and and those guys. I mean, like guys who are like actually, you know, good football guys that they cannot find these people. I mean, this to me bothers me. Okay, uh, England, England is actually, you know, something to be reckoned with now, and uh, you know, start promoting. Well, and you have strong managers in the women's game. Why not? Yeah. Why not have uh, a woman come in and and work one of these teams? Hell, Manchester United's women haven't lost a game yet. They beat Millwall like seven, like. They were up 5-0 the last time I checked it this morning. So, so I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, but, uh, we know, this is, you know, the, the bias uh, with, with, between the men and women's leagues. Yeah. So, uh, moving on, we're going to move on to uh, the Bundesliga, or we should call it the Dortmund Liga right now. Because <laughs> yeah, holy cow. Uh, I, I'm not sure anybody would have predicted this. You did. Uh, I thought they were going to be good, but I thought they were going to be too young to be this good. Yeah, they look, they, they look, this is the team, I mean, outside of Juventus, okay, I think Dortmund is the only other team that could give Manchester City a real problem. You don't think Atletico could also do it as well? Uh, no, uh, I'm sorry, I, I love, uh, I, I love our boy, uh, uh, Cholo, I love Atletico, uh, I just think they look a little bit tired. And uh, I don't think that the, I mean they definitely have the tools, you know. But you know we're looking at this league right now, and if, if you look at the table, right, you have Dortmund with thirty, Frankfurt, Eintracht Frankfurt, one of those perennial teams that drops and goes back up, drops and goes back up, is in second place with twenty three, and this is after losing, okay, their manager to Bayern Munich, yep, okay, and then you have my favorite squad, Borussia Mönchengladbach, in third place. Leipzig, Puh, I mean, we know how we feel about Red Bull squads here. Rosenball sport. Yeah. You have to be careful, the oh, Germans. Big deal. It's a Red Bull club, okay? Uh, Bayern in fifth place with 21 points. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying this. Almost more than, well, we'll get to Real Madrid after, but yeah. I'm almost yeah. enjoying this more. Yeah, oh, I'm totally. But, you know, like, this is, this, uh, I mean, they blame where, where, where it rests, right? I, I don't think it, it, it rests with their manager. I think it, these guys have kind of hung on to a lot of players that, are, past- that are getting long in the tooth in terms of football. Oh, maybe it means our boy Alfonso Davies is going to get some, Chance- some game time this year. Yeah, but I don't think Davies is going to be the kind of player who's going to change, change that kind of squad. No, and well, this is kind of something that we're going to get into a little bit more when we talk about the Nations League and the absolute yeah. downfall of Germany. Is really there's been a lot of blame laid at Pep's feet for the troubles that the German national team had. Do you think? Well, I was just going to ask some you. of this leftover can also be really laid with with Bayern as well. Yeah, I, well, I was going to ask you. Do you think that that's fair? Oh, you're a professional. Like, you know how I feel about about players. Like being a Manchester United fan and watching players not play to the system. Like you're you're a professional. Play to the system. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I mean, I, I don't think it's fair uh, to, to to blame Pep Guardiola that the, for the for for the German national team's problems. I, uh, I I look. I mean, Bayern Munich. I mean, has kind of uh, you know laid uh, and rested on. On uh, Robin and Ribery, 
you know, and who's who's coming up in their place, you know? Like, this is the thing, right? You know, no, I would say they have a very strong midfield. Renato Sanchez has sure. finally found his feet again. Like, I'm incredibly happy for, for him after that terrible loan spell at Swansea. No. Well, I mean, look, I mean, they, they have the players like, like, well, we both know how we both like, we both know how we feel about Lewandowski, really not impressed by him. Uh, you're not a big fan of Muller. I, I disagree. I think he's just too utilitarian in that he can just play in too many spots. He's, he's good because he can play in a bunch well, of different spots, but he's not like a great player in a single area. Let me qualify that. Okay. I, if I'm, if I'm a manager, I would like to have a player like Muller. I don't like him. I just don't like him. I just don't think he's. Uh, I mean, I, I think he complains too much. I think he dives too much. I think uh, you know. I, I, I think there's a lot of. I think he's a little bit selfish. But I'm not denying he's a skilled player. I actually think that this is the problem. You know what I mean? Um, you need uh, there. There needs to be a shakeup at Bayern. And here's the thing: it doesn't look like it's going to happen uh, like overnight. Uh, these guys, you know, they're going to try to spend their way out of the problem, and. Uh, that's not the way to go anymore. Uh, now, you know, you have to basically start recruiting from your academies, you know, put money into your academies and uh, start producing players. I mean, we're seeing or, this in England. Or go to Brazil and Argentina. And- which is what they've always done. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, which is, which is like, you know, enough is enough. I mean, start building your own squads, right? right? So, I mean, look, if it stays this way, I'm very happy. Uh, although I mean, I'd like to see uh, I'd like to see uh, these smaller clubs like Fortuna uh, <coughs> stay on top. Um, but um, you've you know, got you know so further down the table, Hoffenheim, uh, Werder, uh, Hertha, Wolfsburg, uh, Mainz, uh, Freiburg, Leverkusen not, not doing well. so well. But Neither is Schalke, which is surprising. Uh, but you know what? With Dortmund fans are almost doubled up. You like you have to the amount of celebration there must be going on. Well, just I mean, with them being so terrible. Uh, we, 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 we know the history of Schalke's support base. So I mean, when when the, when they kind of fall down the table, everyone's happy. Yeah, it's, you know, it's like you know when Germany loses, it's good for football. When Schalke loses, it's good for football too. Um, now, not in the Bundesliga, but in the Bundesliga too. Just want to say, St. Pauli fourth place. And looking like they might actually make a playoff spot this year and maybe get back into the Bundesliga. That's the only time German football wins is when St. Pauli's in the first division. Yeah, I agree. And if they could just win a trophy or two, it'd be lovely. Somebody's got to break this hegemony, though, of uh, Bayern and Dortmund, and I don't see it happening for a while. Although Frankfurt seems to be uh, uh, I think Leipzig, Leipzig yeah. and Mönchengladbach probably can, can compete in there as well. Well, as long as they keep pushing these teams, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, on to Syria. Uh, oh, big surprise here. Uh, <laughs> Juve still at the top. Um, yeah, I mean, um, Napoli lost yesterday. Yeah, or drew. I, did they draw? Or did they I lose? think they drew. Uh, I mean, it's just there's just not enough. They cons- yeah, there's just not enough consistency. I think between uh, the remainders between you know when you go you look at the table, you have Juventus just running away with it with 37 points, and then Napoli with 29. Inter, Lazio, Milan, and surprisingly, Parma of all clubs in sixth place. Um, uh, here's the thing about this, okay? Um, thank God that there is this, uh, there's Juventus, and then there's another league. And uh, it really, because, you know, it, like, it's surprising because Italian football is on the rise. 
Um, we can talk about the national team a little bit later. Uh, I'd like to say a few things about that. Um, and I really think that Italian football is improved quality-wise in a long time. It just There is just no, though, challenge. And maybe next year we might see some kind of challenge towards Juventus. But I just don't see – I don't see Napoli having the depth. Uh, Inter doesn't have the consistency. Lazio doesn't have the, the depth money. or the money. And Milan just has no identity uh, right now. I mean, and here's the thing. I think that they have among some of the most promising players in the squad in all of Europe. So there but, are big rumors that you're going to lose some of them. Suso being one because Suso's a natural – like he's a naturalized yeah. English player, right? So you can yeah. technically – like he fills, he fills a spot – for like for na- international competition, right? So if you go in, if Suso leaves, Suso's going to England because he was raised at Liverpool from sixteen yeah. until twenty-one. Yeah, he gets that homegrown. He gets a homegrown player slot. Well, here's the thing. I mean, as long as they get good value for these guys as they, as they start to leave, I, I, I and they kind of back to reinvest. I mean, Leonardo and Maldini have a project in mind, and uh, I think that you know they're on course. So you've been especially disappointed though with one player in the team, uh, uh, Donnarumma. Yeah, um, uh, I've been more disappointed with Donnarumma than. Um, then Higuain. Um, well, Higuain scored goals at least. Yeah, but that, I just want to go back to the Juventus match a couple of weeks ago. Um, he should have let Kessier take the take the penalty. Uh, had we scored that goal on the penalty, I think that the result might have been different. And then uh, you can see that that meant a lot to him. You know, the fact that you know Juventus had dumped him over. Ronaldo was in Juventus because, in many ways, you know they pushed him out of Real Madrid to make room for Ronaldo. And I know that he wanted to, he had something to prove, and he wanted to take that penalty kick, and then he didn't score. It. And then he, he lost the plot entirely. But oh. I just want to say, just want to say that that uh, um, Donnarumma is just not lived up to his expectations. I suspect that a lot of it is because the pressure put on this young man is just enormous. And I think he's, he's, he's starting to crumble under the pressure. So I wanted to, to bring something up. Uh, there are big rumors that Milan's going to send Higuain back to Juve because he's on loan, right? Yeah. And then you have the option to buy him for $36 million at the end of the season. I don't think he's worth that. No. Um, send him back to Juve and their wage bill goes... Balloons. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, could look, end up causing them difficulties where Juve has to sell players, and they're. I think it would be a smart move for Milan. I mean, like, is Higuain like, you know, being like this no. catalyst? No, I mean, he's pretty much. I mean, the Cutrone and Calabria and Suso can just to score as many goals. Well, and you have Chahan the glue in there as well. Yeah. Like you do have a good mix. Of, you have a very good, useful squad. Yeah. There's really just no leaders in that no, team. No, I like, like, like I said, Wayne's not a leader. Yeah, there's no identity. There's no identity. Like, they, they need, they, they need to start bringing, you know, this idea that they just can be motivated, motivated. Like, a lot of the results this year seem to be, you know, the fact that uh, they won is because, you know, there was dressing room talks. Again, you know, you've got to be better than that. I mean, yeah. yeah. But moving along, the big disappointment uh, this year is Roma, uh, and I feel bad for Roma. I always have a little bit of a soft spot for Roma because I think that um, uh, you know they always seem to get these wonderfully incredible players, but they just can't seem to put it together. Now, Roma this year, I think, 
uh, Di Francesco had his arms tied behind his back. He lost a lot of great players. But, you know, look, uh, Roma should be at least six to seven points better than what they are. Um, the other team that, that, that uh, I'm glad is kind of coming, moving back up the table is Atalanta. Uh, but I don't expect them to kind of make it into the top five. Um, uh, uh, today is the uh, the Genoa derby uh, between Sampdoria and Genoa, and uh, it's very special given the tragedy that has occurred there. Uh, this this bridge that's collapsed is is um, is really affected the town very much, and it's amazing that both teams are coming together the way they are because Genoa's old owner Pazzoli is perhaps one of the worst directors maybe in all of football historically period and uh yeah kevo kevo deserves what they got right now i i, I uh only at one point they started in the minus but uh, uh that's it i mean there's not much to say uh other than uh, you know you don't want to talk about kevin lasagna no nah, i mean you're right i mean yeah i mean this is funny i do, I do want to say something about the national team okay this national team is you know the way I, I'm I'm with Gabriel Marcotti on this. Okay, the way that I like to look at teams is I like to measure the ratio between the chances created and the chances converted. Now this this team is the national team of Italy is very 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 young, and uh, it looks like they're going to bring in Tonali who's only 18, and uh, he's going to be apparently he's the new Pirlo. And he looks amazing at Brescia in Serie B right now. But here's the thing. How many times have we heard about the new Pirlo, though? No, this, is this I think, is for real. I actually think that this team is really – not this time around. They didn't do very well, but they look like they're on the rise. Do you play Verratti and Tonali together, then? Because – Well, you know uh, – oh, my God. I can't remember his name now. The guy from Cagliari. Um, oh, my God. And uh, you got Bonaventura. You got you got some really good midfielders. What Italy doesn't have is they don't have an old style striker. Yeah, Barella, Nicolo Barella. This kid is amazing. Uh, we they've got some really good players, but uh, I just um, like again going back. And I, I like what Mancini's doing. He hasn't really produced the results, but I think you're going to see a team come around. What they need is a striker, big time. Giro Immobile. Is all I'm going to say is just disappointing. Okay. Listen, the Italian national team is disappointing, uh, and it, it, it and it's really just the fault of Italy and Italians in general for for their treatment of Balotelli. Well, I, I agree. Balotelli would be the man, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, but and, and he would be the, the guy. And I think there would be so much. There would be there would be such a different team. But there there there, there is you know there's problems there, right? I mean, it's not just a question of of the uh, overwhelming racism that exists within within uh, you know Italian society and how it basically kind of filters into the game. There's also problems, you know, personality clashes. I mean, if you remember uh, when Mancini was at Manchester City, he just could not, he could not get along with that. There were times. Yeah. There were times where it worked. It was ugly. Times that it, that it, it, that it, didn't. it was really I remember, ugly. I think the, the ugly moment was Balotelli was on a breakaway. It was during preseason in, in the States, and he was on a breakaway, and he decided to, like, turn around and just try to back heel it into the net. And then a couple of weeks later, there was, like, a scuffle between Mancini and him on the training yeah. pitch. So, yeah. Um, okay, moving on to La Liga. You want to get us started off? 
Okay, I mean, it's crazy this year. I mean, you've got Alaves in fourth place uh, and uh, Real Madrid in sixth place. Well, even Espanol. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think that's going to last. But here's the thing, right? You've been saying that for a few weeks. No, I still don't think it's going to last. Here's here's, here's the thing, right? Um, This is a strange season, okay? Because usually, right, when Barcelona and Real Madrid have downturns in their season, the team that usually kind of fills the void, okay, is Atletico, okay? Now, Atletico is not winning the points. You know, when, when Barca drops them or Real Madrid drops them. So does Atletico. So does Atletico. And nobody's taking advantage of that. And, I mean, in the past there was Valencia and Sevilla. But, uh, mm-hmm. look, I mean, it's a crazy season. I want to say something about this, okay? Um well, just two points, and then we'll kind of like hash it out. Um, I don't think Barcelona are, are, are very good this year. Um, I, I think, of course, they have Messi. Of course, they have uh, this all-star team. But I don't see them going far in Europe. Do you think I they're, very them... sim- they're very similar to Manchester City. They're very good in attacking, but the, the defending, uh, is, the, defending the, is, is weak. Yeah, I, I don't think they play a system. Uh, uh, they play more direct now under Valverde than they've ever been. Like it, and this is my second point. The man that they need is Kike Setien from Real Betis. Real Betis, did you see that game with like four two? That was unbelievable. Uh, and 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 like with Betis, Betis has been playing phenomenal within La Liga. Uh, I mean, the record is just not indicative of how well they play. They have this inconsistency. Uh, Setien is a uh, devotee of the Johan Cruyff total football. He said it often, often. I actually think he's kind of like basically putting it out there to Barcelona. Come and get me. Come and get me. Um, it, it will be very interesting to see what's going to happen. Um, I just don't see. Uh, I see Barcelona and, and Atletico fighting for the uh, for the La Liga this year. Um, Probably Barcelona will win it. I'd like to see Atletico win it, but I don't. I, I, I don't see Barcelona going very far in the Champions League this year. So Sevilla's actually moved to first place now. So Sevilla's on twenty six points. So they just they won their game this morning. I mean, I don't see Sevilla hanging on. No, no depth. Yeah, no depth. Uh, but it's. I have to admit, this is the most interesting the La Liga has been in years. Well, yesterday's result. Like, Ibar just gave Real Madrid, like, this is like a little provincial club. I mean, like this, people should know this. Ibar is like a very, 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 very small club. The fact that they're actually in the La Liga, and, uh, you know, is remarkable in its own right, okay? But... Uh, the, they, they, like, this is like about their third year that they've actually been playing and they've been getting better and better. And they gave Real Madrid a clinic. They gave them a clinic yesterday. I mean, that lovely Instagram post that you posted in the group was just beautiful to watch them celebrating like that. Um, so their stadium has seven, like it's a 7,000 seat stadium. Yeah, they, 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 they remind me of, remember when Kevo Verona uh, made their mark about like, 15, 20 years ago in this little, like, you know, suburb, they had a stadium of only 2,000, and they were, like, a fifth or sixth place of Serie A when Serie A was actually really good, uh, you know. And, um, you know, uh, no, uh, the, the Ibar is the same thing. I mean, uh, the way the Liga operates, sooner or later, they're going to get poached of their talent, I, I think. 
Uh, and and they, they will sell because that's the way a club like that survives nowadays yep. is they sell their their, their, their their most important assets, which are their players. But watching Real Madrid and today over at the YMCA, I want to give a shout out to my, my buddy Omar Tarak. Uh, we had a conversation. He's a big Real Madrid fan and uh, I won't hold it against him. Uh, but um, this year, Real Madrid, no identity. Well, they haven't had an identity for a while. Even though they've won three Champions Leagues, I don't think that this, this is like another Manchester City. Well, we can get into how they won those Champions Leagues. Well, we can talk about this be... for a long time. But Real Madrid suffering, like, I mean, this is fantastic for football. I this this I love this. This is like going back to the mid 80s, right up until the, to, to like the mid 90s. So you're saying, so while I agree watching Real Madrid is just absolutely fun based on how bad they are, you bring up something kind of interesting and you're saying that it's good for football, but we saw what happened after they were so bad in that mid eighties to early nineties where that was really peak Galactico apart from like the fifties and sixties, Yeah, but, but it really ushered in the new Galactico era, which is not a good thing. No, this is what I was just about to say. I mean, if anything we're seeing is that their policy of basing their teams on just superstars rather than building from within is is, is failed now. It's run its course. It's run its course. The cycle, just well, like Bayern, to, just the, like the, Bayern, the, the, the cycle the, is the over. The problem is, is that you need to continue to buy players. Um, that being said, uh, I don't think we have anything else to say about La Liga. So we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back with uh, probably the most exciting derby in the world of football. Uh, and that is the final of the Copa Libertadores. And we're back. And we're back with perhaps one of the greatest phenomenons in, in, in the world. You don't even world. say football. Sporting. In, 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 in the sporting world, period. I mean, like this kind of derby between Boca and River goes back over 100 years it is based on class. It is based on uh, immigration patterns, you know, Creoles versus the new immigrants of the time. Um, but I just want to say one thing here, okay? It gets, it gets the attention it deserves in terms of being the super classical. But, you know, we can, we can, I, I can come up with two that I think rival, okay? And I think that the, the ones that rival, uh, uh, Glasgow Celtic and and, and uh, Rangers but belong in that category, and I would go so far to say that Al Khali and Zamlak and and in Egypt are just as just as poignant as they are here. Um, that being said, um, the whole country is basically paralyzed with point. delirium and uh, you know. Uh, Loathing, okay, because like it's unbelievable. Like if you if you're following the Argentinian press, this is all that they've been talking about. So a question for you. So would you say that teams that traditionally support these other, like support other clubs, are picking sides in this match, or would they rather just like? <laughs> well, I mean, like, both well, teams. Everybody lose. identifies with one or the other, right? And uh, I mean, like uh, in the interest of full disclosure. After AC Milan, I mean, so say I'm a, a book of say, So say you're a wrestling fan right now, and you're seeing this happening. I think if you're a wrestling fan, I think you want to watch Boca and River just 
kill each other. Like, I think that 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 that's what they want, right? Um, I mean, I, look, like, I mean, we can like we can go on about the history of this and over and over and over again, but I mean, what we what we need to do is we kind of need to kind of address what's happened on the pitch, okay? And that first game was surprisingly good. It was very fun to watch. I enjoyed yeah, it. Which I mean, really, because usually when those two teams play, nil nil. Yeah, no, the, but it's not even the nil nil. I mean, the the level of play kind of goes a little bit down because they the the hatred afraid of each to, other. Well, you're afraid to yeah. lose, and they just tackle each other and like it's vicious. So they they actually played wide open. Now, now those tackles still happen in this. Yeah, match. Like, yeah, let's, of course. Let's be real. The ref definitely let them get away and let them let them play. Um, so the match was supposed to be played yesterday. Yeah. Um, any comments on on what happened? I just can speculate. I mean, what time the game's going to be on at three o'clock today, and we're taping today at noon. Um, I, I, I don't. Um, I, I mean, I really don't. I mean, personally, like I said, full disclosure, I'm I'm Boca, and I want to see Boca win this because uh, it would be a real real blow if they didn't. Uh, but you know, well, the story that some team produce. has to win, some team yeah. has to win, and some team has to lose. But you know, I I I, I suspect that the the Boca twelfth man, the Barra Brava, uh, the ultras as they will be called in Europe, you know, behaved themselves in the Bombonera. I mean, there were skirmishes, there was like craziness, you know, in uh, the river. You know, uh, uh, play uh, the, the river of uh, Barra Brava didn't. They attacked the bus. Uh, it could have actually been really ugly. I mean, really, like, this has the potential to descend into serious violence. And I mean violence that would actually permeate into the greater society of Argentina. Okay? This is how ugly this can get. And I think we saw we saw what happened. Apparently, there was uh, riots right in the stadium. They had to cancel the game. They had to, and they moved it to, to today. And I don't think today is going to be any different. No. Um, and I think that, that, that uh, I mean... I think that the, the 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 we know that ultras communicate and make deals all over the world, and I wouldn't be surprised, you know, that if we had some rogue elements within the the river ultras, and or Barra Brava and uh, pulled the uh, the stunt yesterday. So uh, I want to go back to something. So Carlos Tevez, the fa- the or I shouldn't say famous, I should say infamous, the infamous chicken dance at the Monumental. Uh, listen, I can't. Like, there's a part of me that cheers for this and goes crazy just as just as much. You know, I get, I get sucked in when I see it. But these kind of things, this is like Paul Gascoigne doing the flute when and, and during the Rangers Celtic game. Okay, uh, you, you you cannot do this kind of stuff in those games. I mean, you're asking like the, the like you know this you, is ugly yeah. ugly stuff. Man, this this harkens back to the way the football was in the seventies and, uh, and and early eighties in England. Which there is a like I won't say that there's a longing for that. Although I think supporters in England would probably say that they would like something a little more exciting. Well, I mean, where do you strike the balance, right? I mean, this is crazy. This is like, I mean, it's beautiful to watch. I mean, of course, it's beautiful for us to We're watch there. from like a distance away. I mean, would you go to this match? I wouldn't. No. 
I wouldn't go to well, the Well, no, mostly because, one, I don't support River. So being yeah. in that stadium would not be a, a good idea. No, but I, I don't even think even – I mean, it, like, it, there's something beautiful to go back and delightful to go back. I mean, uh, Marcela Mora Araujo on uh, the Guardian podcast had this eloquent this, uh, explanation of, of this about a, about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, I believe. And I agreed with her. Like, it, it's basically a question, like, the country is kind of, like, paralyzed. And at the same time, like, it's all they talk about in parliament uh, and, and everything. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's something to behold. It's a phenomenon unlike no other. And yet, you know, despite the fact that, that it, like, you know, it, it goes back to, like, people and their connections to, to place, connections uh, to class, connections to identity. It's beautiful to watch in that sense, but this really reveals the ugly, 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 ugly side of football. Uh, last question for you. Who's going to win? Yeah, who's going to win? I hate to say this. I think that... that uh, yeah, I think that you we're, we're on the same page. Yeah, the edge, the, the edge, you know, they don't, they don't do the away goals in, in the Copa Libertadores, which I think they should do away with also in, in Europe. But uh, uh, this is the last time that they're going to have a home and away. Uh, from now on, I, I believe the, the Copa Libertadores is being retooled and rebranded, and there'll be to, one to game. Build to build closer yeah. to a Champions, Champions League, League style. style. And I, I think that what we're going to see is I, I have to give River the edge only because they're playing in, in Monumental. And uh, Boca has to be rattled by what happened yesterday. Could bring them forward, could set them back. Yeah, like yeah. Pablo Perez might be playing with an eye patch yeah. today. Uh, and wasn't you know, wasn't uh, Tevez also like uh, this, throwing up? Yeah, from, from being... got pepper sprayed. Yeah. Um, last thing, if Boca wins this Copa Libertadores, they go level for most with this, Copa this... titles ever. With uh, it's a Brazilian club. I thought it was Independiente. You sure? Yeah, Independiente used to refer to themselves as La Rede da Copa. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll have to check on that one. Oh, you're right. Yeah, oh, so they'll go level with Independiente. Independiente, yeah. Because Independiente is always kind of referred to themselves. Uh, I know Carlos doesn't like to hear that, but they refer to themselves as the kings of, of the Copa Libertadores, right? So, I mean, yeah, I mean, let's, let's I, I listen, I just hope nobody dies. And people will probably have heart, like, let's face it, like, well, like nobody dies, nobody's killed. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's what I mean. If someone yeah. has a heart attack from it, well, yeah. it's expected. I mean, they were burning. People were burning houses down. Yeah, the, like uh, now this yeah. was two weeks ago. Two weeks the ago, other yeah. Like what was it? Was it like uh, Boca fans burned down the river? River guys? I don't. I don't. Or was remember. it? Yeah. It, it, this is insane. It's insane. Uh, it, yeah. Uh, moving on to starting today, we have the MLS semifinals. <coughs> Uh, in the Eastern Conference, uh, another Red Bull squad versus Atlanta United. Uh, and in the Western Conference, uh, Portland versus um, Sporting Kansas City. Okay, here's the thing. I actually I, think I, the I, final Atlanta, is really this one. Yeah, yeah. I, I love Atlanta uh, 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 for one reason and one reason only. Uh, their support is just where did this happen? How did this happen? I don't know. But at the same time, I love the style of play. And Tata Martino, I think he's on his way to Mexico after this, right? Yeah, for the national team. Yeah, For the national team, yeah. Which is like, Tata Martino should be coaching the, the national team of Argentina. Well, if according to Diego Maradona, yeah. yes. Um, 
I have a real, real soft spot for Portland. And the reason why I have a soft spot for Portland is because – Yeah, like a real a incredible tradition, yeah. tradition in, of, of football in Portland. So I'm going to be rooting for Portland, I mean, that being said. But, uh, I mean, like, Red Bulls look uh, – I'm not going to call them New York. But Red Bulls just look good. They look good. They have a good squad. Atlanta looks good, and I think you're right. I think the winner of, out of that uh, out of that branch has to be considered the favorite. Favorite, yeah. unless they just unless they beat like we see it in yeah. much of North American sports, where the two best teams may be in one conference, they beat the hell out of each other. I, I would I, I listen. The games are being played today at five p.m. and seven p.m. Right, and I'll be watching. But I'll be cheering for Portland to, to win this. Now, that being said, whoever, because Red Bulls won the Supporter Shield this year yeah, uh, and Atlanta finished second, whoever wins out of this leg is going to host. At home. Is going to host the final at home. I agree it's something they need to work on, but I think with how fan culture works in MLS, especially with the amount of distance, you just aren't going to see people travel. Like if you... Say you get Atlanta and Portland to win and the game is in Houston. You're not going to sell that stadium out. No, you're not. And But, uh, I mean... The, the if you're idea, going to do it this way, you have to do it. To me, Yeah, it has to be... Too, if you're going to do it this way, do it two legs. We have to get... We have to We have to kind of build this this pod's um, prestige so we can get somebody like Kartik Krishna on here and interview him. And I'd like to talk to him because here's the thing why I say... Uh, and, and this is what I would put to this guy because I think he's actually the smartest guy uh, uh, when it comes to MLS or North American football, uh, English North America, by the way. Um, I don't like the emphasis that they put on the playoffs in the MLS. Okay, I think that the the, the real trophy that that really requires uh, 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 that shows the merit of the football is the team that that wins the support yeah. shield. So you and I have disagreed on this because I actually think that 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 is where a lot like yes the media is going to come up with their own storylines for for these games but the supporter shield all year is is what is most important and for those teams in the US like the US Open Cup is very important because it gets them into the Champions League. Yeah. You don't hear about in Canada because we have the Voyagers. And there's of, only four clubs really in that tournament that you can really like. That tournament doesn't take any shape until they have the semifinals. Yeah, and they give usually one team, uh, two teams of the bye straight to the or or three teams now. So the previous winner gets it, a bye to the semifinals, yeah. and then the quarterfinals always include the two MLS teams as well as uh, usually it's FC Ottawa and. Uh, or not FC Ottawa, Ottawa Fury, Fury. Yeah. and Edmonton, uh, and Edmonton. So no, I'm, I'm like I, I just want to say this. I mean, like the the, the the it's an exciting tournament at the playoffs, but uh, I think that they 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 put too much emphasis on it being the 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 tournament. Uh, it's a, uh, the the in my opinion, um, the interest uh, belongs to. Um, uh, I think I think I think that uh, the Supporters Shield is is a much more prestigious championship uh, to win, but you know they're going to say that you know whoever wins the playoffs becomes the champion, uh, and that's that's just not fair. I just I don't think it's fair. Yeah. Um, moving on to the thing that nobody understands except for at you, all. <laughs> uh, and even I barely understand what happens after this. Yeah. Uh, the UEFA Nations League uh, has wrapped up its first round. Um. Big surprises in this tournament. Uh, so I gotta, we're just really going to stick to Group A because I think that seems to be most exciting, although there will be tidbits. 
here and there well, on other all, teams. We should tell everybody who's in the semifinals. So, yeah. So, it's the winners of everybody in Group A. So, you have the Netherlands over France and Germany. Uh, very surprising, considering the Dutch have not qualified for the last two international tournaments. Uh, the Swiss uh, tied with Belgium, but go through on goal difference after a 5-2 comeback win on the final on the final match day. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, Portugal finished on eight points in Group 3, sending them through. They'll also be hosting the semifinals and finals next June. Uh, Italy finished second in that group um, over a quite lackluster Poland team. I was actually I was actually expecting Italy to be relegated, but they 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 man they managed not to. Oh, Poland is just that disappointing. Yeah, well, yeah, they've been and and they shouldn't be. But and uh, for all of those English supporters, maybe there's a chance that you know it didn't come home in the World Cup, but the to win the inaugural Nations League trophy, football might be coming home. In June next year, England finishes on seven points over Spain and Croatia. Yeah, I think you guys who support England, you know, I mean, every time you guys get close, you know, I think you jinx yourselves when you guys say that. There's paranoia. Just shut up and just, like, let the game play and and see what happens. Listen, they finally won on penalties. And you should be very proud of the fact that they're there, okay? I mean, they're really showing improvements. And, I mean, making the semifinals of the World Cup and getting to the semifinals of this tournament. I mean, look, I don't understand this tournament. I really don't. Uh, it's intriguing. I've looked at it three or four times because I don't understand what they're doing with like how this ranks and the qualifications and this and that because the teams that finish second place don't seem to be rewarded with anything other than the fact that... Uh, they stay in that group for next year. The next year. That's it. But here's the thing. Um, I love that they kind of almost created this like quasi-division uh, so that we don't see the minnows. Like It's just not fair for a team like Spain... Okay, or, or I mean, it's Portugal. Right. I want to say Portugal because Portugal is a perennially terrible qualifying. Yeah, but, but they always like you know to play against the Faroe Islands or to play against the Gibraltar or uh, okay. so you've, Kosovo. So you like, this you've, is just is ridiculous. These shouldn't be in the same division. You've, you've brought up Gibraltar, and we I have to make the point. So Gibraltar has a forty six percent winning percentage uh, in two thousand and eighteen, topping Germany's thirty one percent. Winning percentage. So Gibraltar has won more games this year. Yeah, but I mean, look who they played. I mean, you know, I mean, Macedonia, Armenia, and Liechtenstein. Football is the world's game. So you and I disagree on this. This is a way to to improve how these teams. I think that they should do, like, one of the things I I, I really don't like hockey, uh, but I like international hockey. And I love the way international hockey works in terms of they have basically a promotion relegation system. And I think that the teams in Europe should be classified into three divisions, an A, a B, and a C, okay? And the A teams basically compete to qualify for the European Championships, and they qualify for the World Cup. And, you know, if you work your way up the ladder, you get in there, because it's just not right for, you know... Spain or Italy or England and Germany to be paired in, uh, you know, against uh, Liechtenstein, uh, Macedonia. But that's that's an easy six points. Yeah. So the the issue that I think you would run into is one: UEFA is never going to do that because that means that countries get relegated from that A division. And if yeah. say a team like the Dutch, for but well, example, like, listen, you got to win to get into into trophies. Like there has to be some merit here. And you know, at the same time, it would be a great way to start limiting. The amount of uh, 
of uh, countries from Europe in the World Cup and start making room for more countries from Africa, okay, and, uh, and, and the Middle East and Asia. Because this is where I think it's wrong. I mean, I just don't think it's right in, in that regard, okay? Um, I want to say one thing about this tournament, okay? When the World Cup first started, okay, in Uruguay and then in Italy and then the first – the English didn't even make an appearance until the 50s, okay? And nobody took that tournament serious, okay? And look at what it became. I have the sneaky suspicion that this is going to happen to this tournament. Nobody really, and not talking some of the teams, like even national teams just didn't take this serious. But I think that with time, this this tournament is really going to gain prestige. Well, and you have to remember, so the other thing that really comes out of this, so we're still going to have regular qualifying as we're used to. So these, these teams are still all going to be put into those groups and still going to have easy matches. But if you won your group, whether you're in group A, uh, League A, League B, League C, League D, if you won your group, you're getting an extra shot at qualification into the tur- into the actual international tournament. So, for example, League D, Georgia won their group. They went 5-1-0. and they, they're, they're going to get spanked in the qualifying tournament. But at least they earned the qualification. But, well, no. They earned uh, it. But you're, you're not understanding 100% what I'm saying. All of these teams still go into the qualification t- qual- groups. Georgia because they're going to just get absolutely destroyed in qualifying, is going to get a spot, like a, a playoff shot. Yeah. So because you won your group, you're getting an additional chance to qualify on top of going into a group where you're going to get destroyed by the Germanys, the Dutch, the but, but, but look at the other teams. Kazakhstan, Andorra, and Latvia. For crying out loud, I mean, you, you just cannot keep putting all of these teams into the same pool with the superpowers of Europe. It just doesn't work. Well, I think I think you well, you have to give everybody an equal chance of qualifying in the tournament. Like I, you and I are going to disagree on this one. What I'm saying, I, I, is, I don't think there's there's, well, any, there's all, equality. All I'm saying is, when you won your group, at least you're getting an extra chance at the qualification. Plus, we've seen these little teams upset. Like San Marino beat Greece what twice last year. Big deal. I mean, so is San Marino going to qualify for the European Championship? Or no, San but that's typically they're thought of as yeah. just an easy six points for everybody. See, I mean, if anything, if they really want to democratize this, San Marino's, the Andorra's, the Liechtenstein's should be in one division. And if they win, then they qualify for the European Championships, their division. Kazakhstan, Georgia, Armenia, the Federal Republic of Macedonia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Scotland, Israel, they all should be in another division, and they, sh- you know, there should be like you know the top four qualified. But the and, and then you know the Germany's, Portugal, Spain's, Italy's, uh, England, they should all be in one in the top four. This is what they do in South America, you know. I mean, five teams qualify, well, four teams are automatically qualified. The fifth then plays a playoff against, against New Zealand. Uh, usually, New Zealand or or, 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 or was Australia back in the day. Oh well, yeah, Australia's yeah. moved into the Asian. Championship. I mean, look, I mean, this is this this is just wrong. I mean, you know, and, and then like you know, like in a squad, you know, the, the, I just think that this this really favors. National clubs and and look, man. As as an Italian national supporter, there are times that Italy is qualified and they didn't even deserve to qualify. Okay, and this will start taking that away. You know, like the Dutch, in my opinion, played phenomenal in this tournament, and uh, I'm not a big supporter of, the, of Dutch football uh, national team. Uh, but you know what? They deserve to be in, in the semifinal. Well, considering know? who they went through, like they yeah, went- man, and they 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 made. 
they made like short work of Germany, man. I mean, like, and, and all kids too. And and what we were saying, you know, Ronald Coleman, right? Too bad he made such bad choices in the Premiership, you know, yep. with, with, with who he never, decided never to should have left Southampton. Yeah. Um, so moving on, um, the Champions League is back this week. Oh wait, wait, wait! Let's go back a bit. Okay. Who do you think is going to win this tournament? Ooh. It's weird because, like, I'm my gut is saying England is going to actually win this tournament just because I, I don't... Portugal is good. The Dutch are good. Switzerland was a surprise package getting into this this last round. I just feel like the English, this is... Yeah. This is like... The, this will be like the culminate... Like, this will be the culmination and really build into them building something really good for the European well, Championships. I'll be honest with you. Uh, it would be good to see them win, but... This is time you've got to step up. Yeah, I would. Uh, who do I not want to win? I, I would actually seeing Switzerland win it would actually be pretty cool. That would be really cool. I would prefer that yeah. neither Portugal or the Dutch not. Win. I, I'm putting my money on Portugal. They're at home. Yeah. So I think I think that's going to be. And uh, they got Ronaldo. This is this is way this is Ronaldo's way of proving you know uh, again like yeah. yeah that he's that he he belongs maybe in the pantheon of the one or two greatest players ever and if he does that's two major international championships plus zero yeah yeah to zero to net to, uh, to uh um messi and uh, a whole range of although messi has an olympic like would we count the olympic gold well let's say, messi let's, won, we yeah can... well let's put this let's put this let's put this in, in proper context here okay if ronaldo okay Wins the Champions League with Juventus and wins this tro- wins this trophy, the international trophy, plus with the European Championships uh, yeah. uh, that he won with Portugal, plus all of the Champions League. This this guy has to be considered one of the, the, the greatest players ever, if not the greatest player. That discussion has to be on the table. Okay, um, the only other player that's won, like I mean, like what he's won, he would we would have won the Champions League with United. Yep. Champions League with with Manchester uh, with uh, uh, Real Madrid, oh, and then, a bunch, and, yeah, yeah, a bunch, and then a Champions League. With, that's Champions League was three teams. The only other guy that I know that has done that is Clarence Seedorf, and he won one with Ajax against Milan in ninety, and I think that was ninety five, ninety six, and that team was like youngsters, okay, like kids. Went on to win two with uh, 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 no one with Real Madrid, and then two with AC Milan. So you know that's three. That's three different teams. I don't know very many players that have won Champions Leagues with three different teams. So you know that's got to be considered and league titles at that. At oh that yeah, too, right? of course. I mean, like that. That's that's and all those uh, you know domestic championship tro- uh, tournaments that, that 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 they have under their belt. I mean, these things have to be but considered. Yes, Messi has more trophies, but yeah, like I mean, like this this has to be you, you, this has to be in the conversation, right? So, I mean, people, you know, I mean, despite... Well, the argument has always been, could Messi go to England and, and do it in England on a regular... But is it, not now. No. Not now. Messi do it on a cold, rainy night in Stoke? And I think Messi finally heard that quote, eh? Yeah. And he said, well, I used to do it at Velez Sarsfeld. So, yeah, yeah. like, I can do it anywhere. Yeah, well... Anyways, uh, let's go back to the Champions League. Yeah. Because so there's some... They're, they're, I mean, let's just go straight to where we have to go. I want to... Let, let's, I want to go group by group. Okay, Just group by group. Are, okay, there fine, are a few things. Fine. So, uh, Group A, uh, Dortmund at Letty, both on nine points. 
Uh, Monaco dead last, but Henri gets his first win this weekend. So mm-hmm. congratulations to him. I was wrong on that one. Yeah, I'm, and by, by the way, sorry we didn't say anything about Portugal and France today to uh, to our audience. Uh, there's just nothing really to report other than, uh, I mean, in terms of changes. Although I would say somebody go rescue Edison Cavani from PSG. Okay, uh, that's it. But Monaco won their first game. Uh, I told you, Henri should have never took this job. Yeah, and you know what? I don't think it's that he's a bad manager. I think what's just happening there is. Oh, no, I agree with you. Everything's. I, it's just a bad, not, another bad decision, you know? Yeah. Look, I mean, we'll go back to that, that thing. Uh, uh, it's, uh, come on, Dortmund, Madrid, end of story. There's Either team which could make it to yeah. the semifinals. Yeah. Uh, Group B uh, Barca, Inter, Tottenham, and PSV. Uh, Barca looks like they're going to come out of this group. But Inter, my God. Like they, 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 they it, what they've done to Barcelona is 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 magical, and the the fact that they're gonna, they, they, it looks to me like they're gonna finish ahead of Tottenham. And this is the, so Inter ta- if Inter takes, uh, so Inter needs to get to ten points. So right. if Inter wins one of their next two games against either PSV or Tottenham, they're automatically. And if they don't, then then. Tottenham needs to win out and then get some help. Yeah, and Tottenham's. I'm sorry. Not going to be they're being Spursy. Yeah. Yeah. They Spursed it. Uh group C, the most exciting group in all of the Champions League. Why? Because PSG could be going home. Oh man. You know what? If you're a fan of the sport, you should be hoping that PSG Gets knocked out of the Champions League, and not, not even just. Well, they get out. knocked down to the Europa because yeah. they would be knocked. Well, well to the I Europa. mean, yeah, all no, those Reds, like the Red Stars, at four points. Wouldn't it be just beautiful if they got knocked out of Europe? Period. Yeah, so you have Napoli and Liverpool both on six points, PSG on five, Red Star on four. Napoli has uh, Napoli has Liverpool and Red Star left to play. Liverpool has PSG and Napoli left to play, and PSG has Red Star and. Uh, Red Star and Liverpool left to play. Yeah, and, and listen, after after the Red Star's performance, uh, you can't beat Red Star at home. You, 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 you just can't. You can't take them lightly. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the point, right? So yeah, could be. I, listen, I'm making no predictions there. By the way, none. No, but I do think whoever gets knocked out of this group and down into the Europa League probably has a very good chance of winning the Europa League. Uh, there's Arsenal and Chelsea in that tournament, man. And your club. Uh, my club ain't going to win that tournament. Right. Yeah. We're, we're, dream, we're dreaming in Technicolor on that one. Uh, group D uh, looks like Porto and Schalke. Schalke, despite yeah. their absolutely terrible league form, form look like they'll Well, they need through. this. They need this. Um. Same with Bayern. So Bayern's leading Group B on 10 points. Ajax uh, on 8, uh, Benfica on 4, and Ak on Ajax, yeah. It breaks my, it breaks my heart that Benfica's in third place. Uh, you know, that's another one of my favorite clubs. And I got, I got some. Ser- I got a serious Well, maybe spot. they'll go down uh, and uh, to finally destroy uh, the the curse of our namesake. Yeah. Well, uh, that's why I love them is because they... Maybe. They, yeah. maybe. Uh, group F. The oh, city. Be, yeah. Although, like, I, I like the surprise for me is uh, Shakhtar, Donetsk. I mean, like, well, Hoffenheim's been very has been pretty good this season, and Leon uh, with Memphis, to, like Memphis yeah, Depay, this guy's out of his skin deserves to to be considered. I think he's what forty eight 
points, goals, and assists in like 52 yeah. games this year. Memphis Depay would if he, somebody from the Premiership came calling. So, would be, I wouldn't do that. So Manchester United has a buyback clause on yeah. him because he was. He, yeah, I mean, he was supposed to be the great hope. Terrible. Yeah. Uh, would I would I bring him back right now if he could play on the right wing? Wasn't he playing under the Grinch? Yeah. Yeah, oh, Louis, Louis Van Gaal. Yeah, that, Louis Van Gaal. I, I, I mean, despite his, his, his illustrious career has a tendency to destroy players. And I think Memphis Depay was one of them. Well, and I think he destroys friendships too. Yeah, of course. You think you don't think Pep and Mourinho, like do you, do, question for you, do, do you think Pep and Mourinho actually ever got along? Yes. And who do you think ruined that? Yeah, Hanhal. Yeah. On to Group G uh, with Real Madrid and Roma despite how terrible they are in, in their respective leagues, uh, both on nine points. Yeah, that, but that, that, that's where they should be, to be quite honest with you. When you look at the, like Chiska and Plitzan, please, come on. These guys don't even have near the resources that Real Madrid and... And, and, and Group H, uh, Juve stuck on nine points after losing at home la- uh, in the yeah, last you round. Know, you know how I feel about these matches. This is where you can afford to lose a match, okay? I, I, it's in the knockout stage where you're, you're, I think we we separate the wheat from the chaff, right? Um, hey, they've hit. That was their first loss all season. Yeah, yeah. And I, I but they, they listen. This is one of those games where the ball does not bounce your way. Yeah, ball's got to go in the net. It's got to go in the net. But like they, they completely play. Look, here's the thing. Uh, one month ago, I would have actually said United has United's not coming out of this group. And that they were going to end up in 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 uh, in UEFA uh, in the UEFA yep. uh, Europa League. Sorry, um, to their credit, they're second place, and I think that's what you get, that's how this is going to play out. Juventus, Man United go through. Valencia is just a, they're not impressive. No, no. Um, so that wraps it up for the Champions League. Yeah, um, Julian, do you have any final thoughts you wanted to leave everybody with? Yeah, just uh, stay tuned. Uh, we uh, we know we've been we haven't been very consistent uh, in terms of doing this weekly. You know, um, you know. Of course, this is kind of like a little side hobby, and we're trying to turn it into something a little bit more. But uh, we're going to start now, as of this week, uh, being far more consistent in the uh, over the next month. We're going to take a break from uh, about the 16th of December to the 13th of January. And we have an incredible range of shows planned for everybody uh, right up until uh, March. Um, So please take a listen, tell your friends, get us out there. And we really have a participatory edge to this. You're going to see that it's going to be a lot of our, uh, you know, colleagues on the group which we're, we're expanding we're retooling there's going to be a few little changes over the next three four months um and uh you know we're going to be on twitter as of this week so follow us tell us tell your friends and uh i, I just want you to know that uh, uh the, the subject matter that we're coming up we have some great shows we're going to be following up on this whole debate about you know the idea of anti-football versus attacking football we still have a couple of shows that we're going to do. We have a special show planned on women in football. Uh, and Steve and I are actually going to be kind of taking a bit of a back seat on that one. Uh, we're going to have some great 
subject shows uh, as uh, in the new year, everything from the Brazil Italia match of 1982, which I consider the greatest football match ever. Uh, we're going to talk about Mr. Eric Cantona. We're going to talk about uh, uh, the great rivalries. Uh, uh, the, the number one that we'll be looking at is during those years between Arsenal and, and uh, Man U, I guess that's the 90s. into the, the 90s. Uh, yeah, uh, fantastic. We're going to have a, 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 a dear academic friend of ours who's going to be doing an interview with us. And, uh, yeah, uh, we're going to have a lot of interesting stuff planned. And uh, we want to recruit from, from our base. And uh, please, please uh, suggest, pass it on, tell your friends. Uh, and remember, we're doing this because we want this to be kind of a way that we democratize fanship. So, uh, you know, uh, we, we're not really as self-interested as maybe you might think. We're really focusing on trying to create a space here that everybody has a voice. So that's, that's as far as I can go. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you again next week. Anything you want to add, Steve? Well, the last couple of pods, we've been leaving people with a question, like, who's your favorite hard man? Yeah, best, yeah. Best diver. Uh, my question for, for you today, and then we can pose this to everybody else, who is the best keeper of all time? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, okay, everybody will tell you that it was uh, Lev Yashin from the, 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 the Russians. I mean, this guy goes down as one of the top 10 players of all time. And if you actually look him up on YouTube, yeah. But there, I mean, that's a tough one, man. I mean, you, you give on. me your top three. Then go the three. ones off the top I'll of my head. Off the top of my head. Okay. Uh, I would definitely say Dino Zoff. Okay. The guy played right into his 40s and then won the World Cup. And, uh, you know, he played at a time when keepers really were at a disadvantage. But he also played at the time when the back pass was there, right? But he, he was like an anchor on that team. So I got to give Dino Zoff. Big props. Um, I include Lev. Should we just keep Lev? Lev, 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 yeah, Lev, 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 Lev is on his own. Um, uh, the, the the greatest. I I, I want to make one mention off the top of my head in terms of like he wasn't one of the greatest goalkeepers, but he definitely was one of my favorite. Is uh, Chilever. Uh, who played? Who's the Paraguayan goalkeeper who played for Sarsfield. The guy I think scored in one year. I think he scored over 10 goals because he took, he was a free kick specialist and he was crazy, like a real mental case. Um, I, I, and I think the other great keeper I have, I, I really, really, really liked um, uh, Iker Casillas. I think he was a I think he was a great keeper. Honorable mentions go to uh, David Seaman. I think David Seaman was a good, great, great, uh, a great goalkeeper. And my man who I follow on Twitter uh, and only because I like, I mean, I, I think he was okay as a keeper, but he's a great human being and a great humanitarian, Neville Southall. Uh, we follow, I follow him on Twitter. So. so you've mentioned a few of mine, but I'm going to give you one more. Okay. And I'm going to stick to my club for this one. Well, of course. Uh, Peter Schmeichel. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, he, yeah, I mean, like, there's so many you can you can name, right? I mean, and, and then there's so many that I like, but weren't really great goalkeepers, you know what I mean? Uh, but then this is it. Buyo from Real Madrid. I'm actually... You're picking Madrid keepers. A Madrid keeper. But Buyo was amazing, you know? 
uh, at a time when Real Madrid was just like brutal. Who's the best keeper your club ever had? At AC Milan? Yeah. Whoa. Because uh, that's there'll be the, 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 that's that's a debate because you know Dida was did a great job, but then there was Sebastiano Rossi. But here's the thing: Sebastiano Rossi came at a time uh, where Italian, uh, like Italian uh, football, had like five or six keepers, so he really wasn't like a national team star. But then again, you and I could have played in in goal for that AC Milan team. That AC Milan team had the, the back four was Baresi, Costa Curta, Tassotti, and Maldini. How are you going to score on those guys? Okay, so. You know, uh, and of course, you know. Well, listen, the only reason I ask you is because I have difficulty debating this one too, is while while De Gea is there, like, I have to. De Gea is a great keeper. But, like, Van der Sar was a very good keeper. Schmeichel was a great keeper. Van der Sar never gets the credit he deserves for the time he spent at Ajax, and he won a Champions League with Ajax. He was also an extraordinary. Didn't he win? I think he's won three, because did he not also win one with Juve? I'm not sure if he won one with Juve. I know, because you know, he didn't win. He wasn't the keeper of Juve at that time. There was Angelo Peruzzi at the time. Um, you know, you, you, you reminded me of uh, uh, what's his face now. Not, you talked about like great keepers, and you said, um, uh, "Oh my God, I just lost it." So, Michael. No, not Schmeichel. You were talking about De Gea and like Vandersar and Vandersar and. And, and some of the great keepers. I, I, it's got to come back to me. I, at the same time, the, the most loathed keeper. Keeper we that, both agree. Played for Arsenal. Who? What did he play for Arsenal? Oh, you mean the German guy? What yeah. was his name? Oh, he was he was a great keeper, but he was a real son of a bitch. Um, no, I Bruce Grobelak. I can't stand Bruce Grobelak. I mean, and he was there with you know he was at he was at the Liverpool at their high point, but you know the guy got caught you know with his hand in the cookie jar, like you know fixing matches and stuff. And for me, when you're caught fixing matches. You know, even Paolo Rossi, I'll never give Paolo Rossi, uh, you know, okay, he won Italy at that World Cup, but Paolo Rossi fixed matches, man. And uh, that, to me, is a cardinal crime against this game. You know? I have one other question for you, separate from keepers. So I, we, we've asked two, so I'm going to go with the second one. Best free kick taker of all time. Of all time. Of all time. I'm going to go with my, my, my personal favorite, man. Robbie Baggio. Roberto Baggio was was just tremendous. I know you're going to say Pernambuco, Janino, uh, 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 Pernambuco for uh, Leon. Like the guy was just unbelievable. But uh, I I put Roberto Roberto Baggio up against anybody, man. Baggio was just tremendous. So I was thinking Janino. I'll give you that. But I was thinking a second player played in England with a mm. French last name. Oh man, I, you've lost me here, dude. Ginola? No, no, no. Matt Latiss. Oh, well, geez. I mean, yeah. I've had the thing he could do with a ball. Letizia, to me, listen, Letizia is one of my personal all-time favorite footballers of all time. In my 20s, I would watch him on Soccer Saturday on, 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 on TSN. The guy was like, every week he would just surprise you. The one where he gets the other guy to kind of kick, just it, go, up, yeah. kick yeah. it up, and then he taps it up once. You know who's the most overrated guy, in my opinion? Roberto oh, Carlos. Oh, see, I thought you were going to go David Beckham, but I'm pretty No, Beckham was good. I mean, I'll give Beckham his due on that. But Roberto Carlos Could scores. Just, he just hit the ball hard. Yeah, he scores that goal against France in that the friendly, one, the one that wobbles. Yeah. And and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, oh. No, he scored a few more. But you know what, man? 
he he was very very inconsistent on this one. But Abajo to oh, me, welcome man. to Cristiano Cristiano yeah. Ronaldo. Well, Cristiano Ronaldo, would who be, used to hit great free kicks yeah. at United, and then he completely changed up how he yeah. did it when he moved. City. And then he pulled one out in the World Cup this year that was just tremendous. Well, I think De Gea yeah. was a little slow on that. But, but I, and then you can't you can't not have this discussion without Leo Messi. Yeah, but uh, I, 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 I urge you to go on YouTube. And but he look can't at, hit penalties. Yeah, I, I urge you to go on YouTube and look at Roberto Baggio. I think Roberto oh, Baggio. Oh, yeah, Pirlo was a great yeah. free kick taker as well, right? But, I mean, Baggio just did magic. And here's the thing. I, I, that's another player, in my opinion, that uh, is one of the most underrated players ever. I, I think Roberto Baggio is like like in Zidane territory. You know what I mean? But we can go on that. We, yeah. We have opinions yeah. on Zidane. That yeah, I know, I know. Of, a but lot of people where, don't where, where people where, where Zidane is always pl- placed, I think Baggio should be placed. I think Zidane uh, doesn't deserve that place, although like, everybody goes, what, are you crazy? I Look at the tape for real, man. So that's all we have for you today. Uh, tune back in next week. Uh, Julian, what's our what's our topic next week? You mentioned it Next there. week, uh, we will be back on this question of uh, attacking football versus total football. And we will be looking at uh, essentially uh, the, the the total football of the Dutch uh, under uh, under Rhinus Michael and how it basically you know Cruyff took it. And we're going to have some honorable mentions of like some of the, the the coaches at that time that were actually you know that didn't really do total football but were great coaches of the time like Lobanovsky, Valerie Lobanovsky, the great uh, Ukrainian we'll coach. Attacking coach. It's going to be attacking. Yeah, yeah, more attacking yeah, coaches. Yeah. All right, tune in next week. Thanks for listening.